if I told you imaginary friends are real? This is just so exciting. This Friday, get ready for the movie event with the greatest cast you've ever imagined. Showtime. Ryan Reynolds, John Krasinski, Kaylee Fleming, Fiona Shaw, Phoebe Waller-Bridge, Louis Gossett Jr., Matt Damon, Emily Blunt, George Clooney, Maya Rudolph, Bradley Cooper, Sebastian Maniscalco, John Stewart, Sam Rockwell, Aquafina, Keegan-Michael Key, and Steve Carell. I need to throw up or I need a snack. It's one of the two. Gross. If ready PG, parental guidance suggested. Written and directed by John Krasinski. You're listening to Comedy Central. Coming to you from New York City, the only city in America, it's The Daily Show. Tonight, the queen is laid to rest. The history of black animation. And Sam Morrill. This is The Daily Show with Trevor Noah. Great show for you tonight. Jeff Bezos is now broke. Roy Wood Jr. watches cartoons. And Queen Elizabeth II is officially laid to rest. So, let's do this, people. Let's jump straight into today's headlines. Before we get into the big stories, let's catch up on a few other things that are going on in the world. First up, a giant story from the world of video games. Over the weekend, a hacker leaked unfinished footage from the next Grand Theft Auto game, and then they threatened to release more if Rockstar Games doesn't reach a deal with them. Yeah. And you know Rockstar, the game manufacturer, they must be so pissed right now. They must be like, how do these kids get the idea that it's fun to commit crimes, huh? <laughs> now, luckily, law enforcement has said that they, they had a lead on the criminal, but then he hid in the car wash for like a minute, and now they, <laughs> they've just forgotten about the whole case. In international news, Gautam Adani, an Indian businessman who made his fortune in shipping and coal production, has officially passed Jeff Bezos to become the world's second richest person. Yeah. Poor Jeff Bezos. Yeah, when he heard this, his rocket ship immediately went limp. <laughs> and I see some of you are cheering. You're just like, yeah, Indian guy, number two on the list. Don't forget, don't forget, yes. I mean, it's good news for him, but Mr. Adani's parents are Indian. So they're probably still like, you know, I still wish you went to medical school. <laughs> a billion is cool, but you know what's cooler? Being a doctor. Oh, and an update on COVID-19. In an interview yesterday, President Biden said that while we still have a problem with the virus, quote, the pandemic is over. Yes, yeah, but I, I get why Biden said this. I mean, he just had COVID. Everyone, everyone who gets COVID is over COVID. Everyone, as soon as they're done, they're like, all right, it's done for everybody. Let's start this party! Start breathing in each other's mouth, ha! Ah. All right, but let's get to the big story that everyone's talking about. Two weeks ago, as you all know, Queen Elizabeth died of being old. And it's been a wild two weeks since, right? Lots of heated debates from all sides. She was an icon. She was a tyrant. Preserve the monarchy. Get rid of the monarchy. We hate Charles. We also hate Charles. <laughs> but today, today Britain said, hey, let's suppress our feelings as usual because it's the Queen's funeral. 
And they did it in a major way. So let's catch up on the UK's big day and our latest installment of the Royal Rumble. Elizabeth was laid to rest at one of her favorite castles, but before she was buried, the public was given a chance to visit her casket and pay their respects. Overnight, that incredible line of mourners snaking through central London, thousands patiently waiting to pay their respects to Britain's longest reigning monarch. Tens of thousands from around the world wait for hours to see the Queen's coffin. With lines now stretching five miles to see her lying in state, the predicted wait tonight, an incredible 22 hours. We've been waiting for 10 hours. We've been up since four o'clock this morning. Even soccer star David Beckham lining up overnight for 13 hours. I think that was a reminder of how much people in this, in this country really like to line up. It really is a national pastime. British people enjoy queuing, as they say in this country. That's, a, that's an interesting takeaway. No, why are these people here? They just like lining up. That's, uh, is there something else? No, no, they just really like lining up. I don't think they also like the queen, but, but this is true. Apparently, standing in line is really popular in Britain. It's like their national pastime. And before you make fun of them for doing something so boring, don't forget, America's national pastime is baseball, you know, which is, yeah, when people act as if someone died, but they didn't. But 22 hours in line, that's no joke. 22 hours, because remember, there's no iPhone at the end of that line, all right? It's just a box, and you don't even get to open the box. <laughs> and as you heard, even David Beckham waited in line, which honestly, I found so impressive, because apparently he was offered a chance to skip the queue, and he refused, which is really admirable. I mean, especially when you consider that you don't know who you're gonna be stuck in that line with, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, because at the beginning, you might be like, I'm, I'm just gonna stand in the line, and the next thing you know, there's like an Arsenal fan behind him for 20 hours, just like, Man United are shit this season! Arsenal! Arsenal! God save the Queen, I miss her so much! Arsenal! <laughs> but, after days of queuing, today was finally the Queen's funeral. And essentially, the, the entire country shut down for this thing. You've never seen anything like it. Schools and businesses were closed. I mean, and that's a really great way to honor, you know, someone who also never had to work, but, but it was <laughs> intense. It was also a little inconvenient for people. Flights were canceled to avoid the noise. Hospitals even postponed surgeries. And yeah, and if you were supposed to get a surgery on a plane, forget it, that definitely wasn't happening. <laughs> no, but for real, I, I, think it's, I think it's actually good. I think it's good that they postpone routine surgeries because like everyone in the UK is distracted today. You know, kind of doctors coming out like, Mrs. Abbott, I'm pleased to say the bum lift was a success. <laughs> like, but I needed a hip replacement. <laughs> and I need a new queen, but you don't hear me complaining. <laughs> like, get on out of here with that fat ass girl, go on. <laughs> shake it, just shake it. So obviously this was a huge deal, right? And, and by the way, not just for the Brits. Leaders from all over the world flew in to be a part of this funeral. Now, what was a little strange was that President Biden arrived in a six-car motorcade. Meanwhile, leaders from most other countries had to share buses. <laughs> I mean, that must have sucked. It's like the whole point of becoming a world leader is that you don't ever have to ride a bus anymore. <laughs> Imagine you're the emperor of Japan. 
and you have to pretend you don't hear Justin Trudeau shitting in the bus bathroom. <laughs> and obviously some people are mad that Biden got special treatment. But if you ask me, I think the other world leaders, they're the ones who benefited. Can you imagine being stuck on a bus with Joe Biden? <laughs> with Joe Biden? The conversation would never end. It's just him like, so then Mr. Prime Minister, I said, come on, Pop. I said, listen, Jack, I looked him straight in the eye. I took his hand, I took him over there, mama, I said, what, what are you, you moving to another seat? Come on, man, come on, listen. And world leaders weren't the only ones in attendance. No, the Queen's corgis were there too. And this was really sweet, yeah. They got to pay their last respects, you know, see the queen one more time, and then I assume follow the little trail of dog treats right into the tomb. <laughs> Very adorable. That's how the Egyptians did it. <laughs> I'm assuming the English are the same. <laughs> it's also like, why would you bring the dogs? Why are you torturing them? What, were the dogs like sitting up in the morning, like, can we get a treat? And like, I'll show you why there's no more treats. <laughs> But once the funeral was over, the Queen's casket was driven to Windsor Castle to give her one last chance to experience London traffic. And uh, everyone <laughs> made it count. We are watching the royal procession of Queen Elizabeth's coffin. Cheers going up from the crowd, a crowd that has been quiet and somber throughout most of the morning. But now cheers uh, as the Queen's coffin passes by, flowers being thrown from the crowd toward the Queen's coffin. This is probably my favorite part of a funeral. No, it genuinely is. It's like, there's a moment where everyone's sad because somebody's gone. And then there's the moment where you celebrate their life. I, I love this moment. You know, you're like, oh, ha, 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 <laughs> It's also weird that they were throwing the flowers onto the car's windshield while the dude is driving. <laughs> it's a bit risky. Oh, the guy's gonna end up like just plowing right into the crowd. Just, ah, boo, 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 boo. Oh, I just put those in the back with the queen. Let's go, let's go. We gotta keep moving, gotta keep moving. But aside from all the flowers and uh, panties being thrown at the car, it was a beautiful procession. With all the king's horses, all the king's men, basically everyone who couldn't save Humpty Dumpty, they were there. <laughs> and it was a three-mile march from Westminster Abbey to Windsor Castle, also known as the Long Walk. Yeah, or as Kylie Jenner calls it, why didn't they take the jet? So, <laughs> it was a long ride to Windsor Castle, but it was worth the wait, because the ceremony the ceremony formally laying Her Majesty to rest was not to be missed. The most intimate, moving moment was when the crown jeweler removed the instruments of state, that's the crown, the orb and the scepter, removed them from the queen's coffin and placed him on the altar. And then the head of the queen's household broke his wand of office and then placed that on the queen's coffin. That essentially signals, we're told, that this queen's reign is over the coffin, then lowered into the vault. There are 10 other monarchs buried there at St. George's Chapel as well. Yeah, as the world watched on, Queen Elizabeth II, the UK's longest reigning monarch, was lowered into the family vaults. And whether you are for or against the monarchy, you cannot deny this is a landmark moment in history. They broke the wand and it's official. I will say, and yes, it's because I've read too much Harry Potter. <laughs> this thing could have just as easily been part of a wizard ceremony, you know? <laughs> it's like a guy in a cape holding an orb, snapping a wand. By the way, why, why is the wand getting buried with her majesty, but nothing else? I feel like it's kind of a letdown, right? 
because they could bury her with the crown and the orb, but they're like, no, no, we'll, we'll hold on to these. <laughs> yeah, you, you can be buried with this broken pool cue. There you go, ta-ta. All right, that's it for the headlines, but before we go for a quick break, let's check in on the stock market with our finance expert, Michael Costa, everybody. <laughs> A lot of things changing. What's, uh, what's happening in the market today? Look, before we get into the markets, I, you know, I just want to say my thoughts are with the queen. And I pray that law enforcement finds her killer, okay? So <laughs> there was no today is a day no where we reflect on the queen's life. We reflect and evaluate our own lives. You know, I took the weekend to consider the direction of my life and which way it's going. And Trevor, I have to say, okay, honestly, now more than ever, I am absolutely crushing it, okay? I am crushing it even harder now because that's what the queen would have wanted, okay? So I got a hot tip for you, and I got a hot tip for you as well, so pay attention. Or as they say in England, a boiling pointer, okay? Now, behind me, this is the World Billionaire Index. These are the five richest people in the world, otherwise known as Bernie Sanders' hit list, okay? But but (laughs) before we do this, uh, Biden, saying that the pandemic is over? Yeah. That's great, I love that, but I'm still gonna keep spraying fruit and vegetables with Lysol, okay? Because I've become accustomed to the taste, to be honest with you, or whatever taste I have left. I mean, to be honest, everything tastes like metal at this point, but here's, here's what I wanna talk about. This, this Adani guy, okay? Where is he? Right there, all right? Look, this is the point where he surpassed Jeff Bezos becoming the second richest man in the world. Now, how did he do it, okay? Uh, which one is Adani? I gotta find. Okay, how did he do it? Right here. This is where he started making coffee at home and stopped buying it on the way to work. <laughs> Boom. Hundred million dollars. Think about that with your own life. The number one spot is still Elon Musk, okay? You know, you know Elon just kind of, right here, he just kind of started out as a normal rich guy, and then he realized around 2020 that he can be so annoying, okay? <laughs> Tweets, memes, talking about crypto, and guess what? That business strategy worked, and look at him. The more annoying he is, the more his value goes up. Now, on the flip side, Trevor, Bill Gates. I mean, geez, right? All the way down to number five. Only a hundred billion dollars. What a loser, you know? (laughs) I mean, you know who I blame, actually? My mom. She's still running Windows 95, okay? (laughs) Takes her 10 minutes to open up Solitaire. Now, big picture. I know what some of you are thinking. Hey, Costa, you crush it so hard. (laughs) Thank you, okay? Why aren't you on this list? Well, look, I'm a male feminist, all right? The reason... (laughs) Why is that funny? Look, I'm a male feminist. The reason you don't see me on this list is I I don't want to be on any list that doesn't include any women. Let's be honest. Yeah. Yes. Yes. There should be a woman on this list, okay? Especially a hot blonde chick with big boobs. You know what I'm saying? All right, I promised you a boiling pointer, aka a hot tip. Look at this chart. You see? You see Arnal? You see Arnal? Okay, no one knows who the hell that guy is. So you can be him. Legally change your name to Arnal. I just gave you 100 billion, I just gave you 150 billion dollars. You're welcome, everybody. Thank you very much. Michael Costa, everybody.
think this is real financial advice. But when we come back, we're going to learn about black animators. So don't go away. Love the Daily Show Ears Edition? Then help us get to know you so we can keep creating the content you love. Go to cohst.app slash TDS or click the link in this episode's show notes to fill out a quick two-minute survey. And tell us a little bit about yourself. that it's legal to talk about black history even when it's not Black History Month? Yeah, it is. So to learn about some forgotten moments of black history, we turn now to Roy Wood Jr. with another episode of CP Time. Listen, I told you, you're not gonna let me see my kids, but I'm not gonna sing you no money. Ah, welcome to CP Time. The only show that's for the culture. Today, we will be discussing black animators. We're in a golden age of black animation right now, with animators such as Aaron Magruder of the Boondocks, or Peter Ramsey, who won an Oscar for that movie about that teenage black boy that was Spider-Man. I tell you what, if I had jumping powers, I wouldn't be doing no favors around the neighborhood solving murders for free. I'd be making millions in the NBA. Shoot a three-point on me if you want, Steph Curry. I'll snatch it out the air. Turnover. But before those animators, there were pioneers who led the way in animation. Black pioneers like Zelda Jackie Orms. She created four comic strips, the most iconic being Patty Joe and Ginger, which starred two black sisters. They were the Venus and Serena Williams of their time, except for not playing tennis and not being real. So I suppose they were nothing like Venus and Serena. But aside from that, they were. This cartoon was so popular, it led to the creation of the first African-American doll based on a comic character. And it was the only doll with a face that said, I know these white girls about to touch my hair. The next black animator we want to celebrate is Floyd Norman. He was hired by Walt Disney Studios after only two years in art school. And he worked on Sleeping Beauty, 101 Dalmatians, The Sword and the Stone, and Mary Poppins. Basically, if your mother ever bought you one of those fancy Disney VHS tapes, odds are Floyd Norman drew it. And you'd think he was busy enough working on those movies, but no. Floyd was also finding time to post gag drawings all over the Walt Disney campus. These drawings poke fun at company executives. When Walt Disney himself saw them, he was so impressed that he handpicked Norman to work on the Jungle Book. You know how good you got to be at your job where roasting your boss gets you a promotion. It usually only happens on Wild and Out. Norman left Disney to co-create the company Vignette Films, which is where he made his biggest contribution to the culture, creating the original opening credits for Soul Train. It looks like if Thomas the Tank Engine did acid and had a couple shots of Hennessy. Finally, we must mention Bruce W. Smith, who directed the 1992 cult classic, Bebe's Kids. Wait a minute. 
This guy looks familiar. Look, can I stole my look. I have to talk to my lawyers about that. Anyway, Smith was instrumental in animating movies like Who Framed Roger Rabbit, Tarzan, a goofy movie. And not only did he create The Proud Family, which was Disney's first animated show with a black female lead, he was also a supervising animator on Disney's The Princess and the Frog, which featured the studio's first black princess. And yes, I know she was immediately turned into a frog, but it was still a better royal experience than the one Meghan Markle had. His crowning moment was co-directing the movie Hair Love. And I'm very happy that this story got told because it introduced America to every black father's worst nightmare, having to style your daughter's hair. The one time I tried, I messed up my daughter's hair so bad, she got a restraining order against me. I'm legally not allowed within 50 feet of her edges at all times. So there you have it. Some of history's most inspiring black animators. In fact, it inspired me so much that I commissioned a group of top animators to turn me into my unique animated form. Let's see how they did. <gasps> I knew it. I knew the guy from Baby's Kid stole my look. Or did I steal his look? Well, that's all the time we have for today. I'm Roy Wood Jr. And this has been CP Time. And remember, we're for the culture. No, but seriously, am I a rip-off of the guy from Baby's Kid? To be honest with me. Do I look like Robin Harris? Stay tuned, because when we come back, stand-up comedian, the very funny Sam Maru will be joining me on the show. You don't want to miss it. Love the Daily Show Ears Edition? Then help us get to know you so we can keep creating the content you love. Go to cohst.app slash TDS or click the link in this episode's show notes to fill out a quick two-minute survey. And tell us a little bit about yourself. Welcome back to The Daily Show. My guest tonight is a comedian. He's an actor. And he's a co-host of the sports podcast, Games With Names. He's here to talk about his groundbreaking new Netflix stand-up special, Sam Marill. Same time tomorrow. Please welcome Sam Marill. <laughs> Sam Marill. How are you, man? Welcome to The Daily Show. Thanks for This is awesome. Are you kidding me? This, this is one of my favorite moments because, um, I mean, I met you, maybe it's like eight years ago when I first came to New York to do comedy. No, nobody knew me, no one, do you know what I mean? This was like whatever, even longer actually, maybe 10 years ago. And, and I met you in the comedy cellar. And you know, in comedy circles, th there's always comedians where they'll say like, that's a comics comic where every comedian stays to watch that comic, every comedian wants to see what they're gonna say, and you were that guy, oh, you are still you, that man. guy, and I'm so excited to see all the success oh, that's coming your way, man. Congratulations. Thank you, thank you man, I feel, uh, <laughs> I feel, this is such a legit show. I mean, you usually have someone arguing before the Human Rights Council, and now you have me. Uh, 
a guy who was arguing at the front desk in my hotel to return my muscle relaxers <laughs> that they took. So I think it's perfectly fitting. Yeah. Man. I no. mean, it, it, like you saw in the clip, you talk about everything. You know, um, yeah. for those for those who don't know Sam, you, you're going to know him. But let's start with this part of the story, which I really love. You know. Um, for a long time, comedy has been the funniest sort of makes it up. The funniest makes it up. The fam- then social media came in, things started changing. Yeah. And then it was almost like inside out. People were like, who's famous? We'll make them a comedian. And a lot of comedians were like, ah, oh, it doesn't seem to be working as well. You couldn't get anybody to look at you. You couldn't get anybody to take your special. You couldn't get anybody to put you on TV. You put it out yourself. Right. You got like 11 million views, one of the most watched specials on YouTube ever. Yeah. And then Netflix was like, all right, Sam, we need to do a deal. Yeah, Netflix, uh, I think their stock was sinking. And, uh, <laughs> and I feel like I got in the lifeboat right as the Titanic started going down. I was like, I'm in, dude. Let's do it. You. No, I'm honored. It's awesome. It's, uh, it's, it's crazy. Yeah, you put it on YouTube, you don't think anyone's going to watch it. I mean, I remember shopping it for uh, HBO and for Netflix a couple years ago, and they were like past. And I, I was like, well, I'm going to make it. So. Uh, I'm gonna make my own special, put it out, comics share it, comics support comics. Right, so yeah, I got right. very lucky in that way, you know? I, I don't think you got, I think the audience has got lucky because your, your, your <laughs> special, no, I, I honestly mean this because Thanks, like, your special, everyone has commented it, on it in different ways. It's like, it's, I think it's part of the reason so many comics have always loved you. You never know what Sam is gonna say and how he's gonna say it. Like, you know, people are like, oh, he, he does jokes about the transgender community and you don't know which way it's gonna go. Right. And you, you had, I saw your name trending online. And I was like, oh shit. <laughs> yeah, me too, I was like, uh-oh. Yeah. <laughs> and it was the trans community going, we love this comedian and his jokes about yeah. trans people. Oh, that terrified me. <laughs> Why? Because they love me today, I'm like, and they're like, he's our guy. I'm like, don't make me your guy. <laughs> You love me today, you're gonna hate me tomorrow. I don't know. Cause it's like what you say, you just kind of follow the joke. I don't, it's, I, I don't want to hurt anyone in any joke, but when you write a joke, you're just going for the laugh. So yeah. with that joke for me was like, you know, a guy said something about, uh, trans, he goes, uh, it was about a friend who, was, who said, uh, you know, I fully uh, support trans people. I mean, I'll play along. I was like, uh, I don't think that's what they're going for. <laughs> I don't think you're scoring a lot of points walking up to a trans person like, uh, sure. <laughs> If you say so. See how uncomfortable this whole crowd was about me even going into that? They were like, where the f- is he going with this joke? And then it was okay, right? You see, this is what I love. <laughs> this is what you, you, you've got like, you've got this, you've got this cadence, you've got this vibe, you've got this, you, you also have a joy about you. Like I remember, I remember like tweeting, there were some shows of yours that were coming up and I was like, yo guys, you gotta go watch Samuel, you gotta go watch Sam. And people were like, Who, first of all, half of South Africa is like, where, where is this? Like, sir, it's in New York. I should have told you that it's in New York. <laughs> but, but what I yeah. loved was the response I got from people afterwards. It's, it's exactly what you said. You, on stage, it never feels like you're like trying to like hurt anybody. It, it's never felt like that, but you're funny, you're still edgy. I think you do what comedy needs. Like you, you keep Thank people you, on their toes, you know, and it's not like you're safe for the sake of being safe. It seems like you're having fun. I love, I love stand-up. I mean, that's the thing is like, I'm, you know, some of these cities, you're like, I mean, I, I'm on the road every week. I, I love what I do. So that's the thing is like, yeah, you never go up there with the intent to hurt anybody. Sometimes people get hurt. But that could happen. I have a friend, Ryan Hamilton, who's got a joke about hot air balloons, and someone was like, that's offensive. I was like, well, that's on you, I think. I mean, you're, <laughs> you're upset by hot air balloons? Anything can offend someone, and that, that's on them. I mean, it's, sometimes they try to say, like, well, you shouldn't joke about that. I was like, you were fine with me for the first 47 minutes. That's the thing I've noticed, yeah. right? That's the thing I always say to people is I go, a lot of people don't realize that 
every joke is funny until you find it personal. Yeah. Like everybody laughs. Everyone laughs, 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 and then they'll be like, nah, that you went too far. It's like, what yeah. about the other jokes? They're like, well, those were cool because they weren't about me or anything that I necessarily cared about. <laughs> but then up until that point, people are generally fine. Yeah, I think, and I think most people are smart enough to tell the difference between, you know, good intent and intent. Yes. That should, yeah, we've all gotten mad at a person and that's not funny. You lose, when you become too emotionally attached to something, you're not funny anymore. You need the detachment. You need the comedy, I think. Well, but I think the comedy is connected to the detachment. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I, I remember when my, when my grandmother passed away, we were in this weird space where like, I was crying the whole week. Everyone is like discussing the family. What are we gonna do? What are we not gonna do? And there would always be these moments where like a joke comes up. You know what I'm talking about as a comedian. You, 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 you see the joke and then you look at the people around you. <laughs> yeah. you like, I, I can't, but because it's family, I could say it. Yeah. I think that's, that's part of it. That's part of, you know, why do you think it is that you've really been able to keep the context of, of your comedy. A lot of, a lot of comedy, I think, has been hurt by the lack of context. When we're in a room, everyone here gets it. We yeah. know that we're making jokes about certain things. We know that we don't really feel certain ways. It's a joke. Yeah. With social media, it became someone who wasn't at the show, who didn't get the context, who didn't yeah. know the beginning of the story. They get angry, and this didn't happen to you. It just happens in comedy. But for some reason, you, I don't know, you've managed to preserve that context. Do you know why or how? I think placement and the set order is important, but I mean, you nailed it. Where, yeah, social media, it's like a comedy club where people are just opening the door and they come in at the wrong time. <laughs> they just open the door and they're like, what was that? They're like, that's not when you were supposed to enter. <laughs> so it makes me mad. Look, here's the thing. That's the beauty of social media. You reach so many people. Yeah. And so many of those people are like, oh, I like this guy now. But so many of those people are like, hate you and you just kind of have to accept that that's it's a package deal it's a package deal but i think i yeah. think you're getting one huge part of the package which is people loving you your netflix special is just like received to acclaim obviously on youtube you're crushing it you're doing so well right now that you 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 have a whiskey is this a real thing i heard a rumor yeah. that you have a whiskey yeah i have a whiskey <laughs> just explain this to me how do you bodega cat whiskey uh bodegacatwhiskey.com <laughs> Wait, wait, no, but, but explain this to me. What do you mean you, like, because when they said that Sam has a whiskey, I was like, I thought you, they just, you just have a whiskey with you. Yeah. Well, I had that too. Yeah, but that's, uh, no. Yeah, I think, look, I'll be honest. I got into comedy. I didn't get into it because I was like a go-getter. You know, my brother and sister are lawyers, are very smart. I was the black sheep, you know? I was like, oh, open bar, I'm in. That's all I needed. <laughs> And then I was like, oh, I can make my own whiskey. People will make, so we got a whiskey cooking. Uh, this guy, Chris Hart, helped Mark Norman, my, my friend and I, yeah. we made a whiskey and uh, yeah, you can get it now, so. <laughs> Bodega Norman, Cat Whiskey. I, all I say is congratulations. <laughs> You're one of the nicest, funniest comedians I've ever met. You I too, wish man. you all the best. Thank you, brother. Ups and the <laughs> angry laughing. Thank you. Room, everybody. We're gonna take a quick break. We'll be right back after this. For real, man, thank you, man. Love the Daily Show Ears Edition? Then help us get to know you so we can keep creating the content you love. Go to cohst.app slash TDS or click the link in this episode's show notes to fill out a quick two-minute survey. And tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, that's our show for tonight. But before we go, before we go, 
I just wanted to remind you that much of Puerto Rico is still without power in the wake of Hurricane Fiona. So please consider supporting Hispanic Federation. They're already on the ground providing emergency relief services and essential supplies to the communities that are most affected by the storm. So if you can, please donate at the link below. The next few days are going to be essential to get emergency services and supplies to all of those who need it the most. Until next time, stay safe out there. And remember, there may not be a long line at your funeral, but that's probably because, because you suck. Watch The Daily Show weeknights at 11, 10 Central on Comedy Central and stream full episodes anytime on Paramount+. Plus. This has been a Comedy Central podcast. What if I told you imaginary friends are real? This is just so exciting. This Friday, get ready for the movie event with the greatest cast you've ever imagined. Showtime. Ryan Reynolds, John Krasinski, Kaylee Fleming, Fiona Shaw, Phoebe Waller-Bridge, Louis Gossett Jr., Matt Damon, Emily Blunt, George Clooney, Maya Rudolph, Bradley Cooper, Sebastian Maniscalco, John Stewart, Sam Rockwell, Aquafina, Keegan-Michael Key, and Steve Carell. I need to throw up or I need a snack. It's one of the two. Gross. If. Ready PG. Parental guidance suggested. Written and directed by John Krasinski.